We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com I'm not sure about you guys, but it still catches me off guard when I walk down the water aisle at the grocery store and see these new tall boys that look like beer chilling out in the middle of the bottled water section. Of course, it's not actually beer. It's liquid death a new mountain spring water from the Alps that's available in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors. But why is it called Liquid Death, you may ask? Well, it's because Liquid Death donates 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Even better is that the use of their aluminum Tallboy cans is also helpful, as aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. Friends, bottled water has always been boring to me, but there's absolutely nothing boring about Liquid Death. I love the crisp, refreshing pop of the can when I open it, and the water simply tastes better in a can than it does out of a bottle. Add in their three unique flavors. Personally, I love the lime, and the overall experience is infinitely better than any other water product. Plus, it just looks so much cooler holding a tall boy labeled Liquid Death that looks like you're holding a crisp, refreshing beer. So do me a favor and go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee. Or you can find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Packaday Podcast. Well, 
What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Happy Victory Monday, a much needed, well deserved, well earned Victory Monday. Finally, it seems like forever since we've had a Victory Monday. Packers get a huge win, 31 to 28. And first of all, I apologize, as you can probably tell, still very much fighting a cold. Going to try to get through this episode as best as I possibly can. Makes it a lot easier to get through when the Packers picked up a huge win. First of all, man, oh man, did Green Bay need that win. This team needed something like that so insanely bad. Ideally, it would have happened maybe a couple weeks ago, of course, or maybe they never needed it in the first place. But this was a just a very desperately needed win for the Green Bay Packers. They got it in. We had seen this script play out through the last five weeks over and over and over. Yeah, not always the exact same way, but Green Bay had the ability to be competitive, look like they were going to have chances to win, but this looked like the same script where Green Bay was going to shoot themselves in the foot and ultimately find a way to lose. They get to overtime, Cowboys get the ball first, and you're thinking, here we go again, somehow the Packers are going to find a way to lose this game, but they turn things back in their favor, they get the victory, they keep their season alive for now, who knows how the remainder of the season is going to go, they're favorites against the Titans this week, which we'll talk about, but man, either way, regardless of how you feel about this team moving forward, regardless of whether or not you were you know, just cheering for better draft position because, oh, by the way, had they lost this game, only two teams in the NFL would have had fewer wins than the Green Bay Packers, the Raiders and the Texans. That's it. But I, I don't care about any of that right now. This was a, must, a, a much needed win for the Packers, the organization, the fans, and it just feels really great to have a victory Monday once again. This was a game of crazy swings. So the Cowboys go up 7-0 um, after uh, really Green Bay had controlled the first quarter but missed their opportunity to get points. But Cowboys go up 7-0. The Packers go on a 14-0 run to take a 14-7 lead. The Cowboys go on a 21-0 run to take a 28-14 lead. And then the Packers go on a 17-0 run to end the game, to win the game, 31 to 28. At one point, the Cowboys had a 96% win probability. Uh, that was when they were up 28-14. I believe it was actually uh, right before uh, the completed touchdown to Christian Watson on fourth down. It was fourth down Packers at 28-14 Cowboys lead, and they don't convert on that play and game's basically over, right? So a 96% win probability for the Cowboys that turned into a victory for the Packers. And this is really the first time all season that we had the ability to see this Packers team really respond well to adversity. Listen, this Packers team had two huge opportunities to completely fold on this game. And in, to some extent, it, it would have been understandably so. They've lost five in a row and they're bearing that burden going into this game of just everything going against them. The first one, they're down uh, seven, nothing. And you know they just had given up a 17 play touchdown drive, a 17 play touchdown drive to the Cowboys. Packers run two plays, it's third down, and not only do they go three and out, but Rodgers fumbles deep in the Packers' own territory. It's 7-0 Cowboys. This seems like it's about to be 14-0 Cowboys, and what literally would have felt like the, like just the entire weight of everything, the, the fans probably start booing at that point. It just felt like that was going to be a major moment for the Cowboys, just to stick an early dagger in the heart of the Packers, and instead, 
Rudy Ford comes up with a huge interception and keeps that at a 7-0 game, and the Cowboys come out empty-handed after a huge opportunity coming off the turnover. So that was opportunity one. That defense had just been on the field for 17 plays. They take over with almost no rest with insane field position against them, and Ford comes up with the pick and makes that a much more competitive game at that point. Then, as we talked about, down 28-14, to the Packers were at one point it was 14-14, and the Packers uh, had pinned the Cowboys deep in their own territory, and they were punting away, and the Packers were about to have the ball first and 10, tied 14-14 at about midfield if they get a decent return out of that. Instead, not only do they not get a decent return out of Amari Rodgers, but of course he fumbles on the play. The Cowboys take over. They go down and score a touchdown. The Packers go three and out. Cowboys go down and score another touchdown. And it's 28 to 14 Cowboys late in the third quarter. That was another opportunity for this Packers team to fold and really just kind of give up on on the game on the season and again it, it would have been hard it, like it wouldn't have been hard to blame them to some extent they've lost five in a row everything's going against them again in amari rogers fumble at the most inopportune of times they're down two scores and you know mike mccarthy's you know coming into lambo ready to get a win ready to keep them in the victory column and chasing the eagles everything at that point seemed like this was set up and destined to be a cowboys win and a packers loss but once again, they fought through adversity, the huge fourth down play to Christian Watson to convert on the touchdown, and they ultimately get back in the game and go down and score the tying touchdown, get to overtime, an interesting set of play calls at the end of regulation, uh, but are able to um, hold the Cowboys in overtime, even though the Cowboys got the ball first. A really underrated play in this game, the holding penalty against the Cowboys. Uh, that negated a really big run into Packers territory. Cowboys were set up basically in field goal range at that point and would have had a first and 10. Dean Lowry, the one who drew the penalty, the holding penalty on that play. I know the much maligned Dean Lowry, but uh, he probably would have been able to stop the run basically in its tracks. Uh, but instead, the you know they held him and it, it backed the Cowboys back 10 yards and ultimately was a huge part and a huge reason in the Packers getting the ball back and go, having the opportunity to go down and score the, the game-winning field goal. So for a team that has struggled all season long with handling adversity, both in games and from week to week and just trying to stop this this losing streak that they've been on, they had two just daunting moments in this game go against them and what seemed like an incredible uphill climb. I think if we're being honest, just about everyone expected, yeah, this is probably where the Packers fold and can't get out of their own way and give up, you know, a a, a play to the Cowboys that you know seals the deal. And instead it was the Packers coming up with the big plays when they needed to, and ultimately somehow finding a way to really pick up a very, very gritty win against the Cowboys team that didn't play their best game, not their best brand of football, uh, but certainly played uh, a game that was winnable enough for the Cowboys to come into Lambeau and, and pick up a victory. So uh, kudos to the Packers when, again, everything was set against, set against them to the extent of, trust me, they, it was their own mistakes more often than not. But you know, when when they were down and that you know they could have folded, they didn't. And may, maybe for some of you, that's you're getting paid millions and millions of dollars to go out and play the game, go out and play it the right way. Um, but in reality, sometimes that's not what happens, and and that could have happened for Green Bay, but they found a way to pick up a victory. Of course, uh, it feels only appropriate that we talk next about the two players who played absolutely phenomenal in this game and really gave the Packers an opportunity to not only win but ultimately win the game. Christian Watson, number one, 
and Rudy Ford number two. And in a way, both of them redemption stories from things that happened early in the game. Christian Watson started the game off with two drops and it would have been easy to just kind of go away from him and maybe not target him the rest of the game. If they would have done that, very clearly they would have lost the game. Uh, Number two, Rudy Ford uh, missed the tackle early in the game on the Cowboys' first touchdown. Should have been stopped short of the end zone. Uh, Rudy Ford, I think, really his first missed tackle all season as a Packer um, and unfortunately allowed uh, the Cowboys to gain a touchdown early in this game. Both of them frustrating plays to start. And it's not always how you start. And this is what Christian Watson said in his post-game presser as well and what teammates were telling him. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Talk about a coming out party for Christian Watson. Four catches, 170 yard, 107 yards, three touchdowns. And the three touchdowns are going to garner a ton of attention. The one non-touchdown was a huge third down conversion on a sliding catch as well. So all four of those catches, insanely important for the Packers offense. But this shows you exactly what Christian Watson is capable of. Now, we saw the good, the bad, and the injured again for Christian Watson. He left the game for a little bit, went into the blue medical tent. It looked like, okay, here we go again with Christian Watson, another injury. Thankfully, it was nothing. He came back out and responded with a massive remainder of the game. We saw the bad, some drops, uh, a play where he and Rodgers weren't on the same page on a back shoulder, um, and just some you know kind of things like that that we've seen out of Christian Watson all season. And then we saw the spectacular. And the reason why he was a, a you know a trade-up candidate in the second round, um, almost a first round pick, uh, what pick 34 overall, right around there. And he just has all the talent in the world to be a, a game changer. He's not a complete player yet as a wide receiver. It's very clear he still, still needs to work on his hands, needs to be more consistent with his routes, but there's just things that he can do on a football field that very few players can. Um, in a league full of super fast players, he just has a different gear. And at 6'4", and what he can do both you know, prior to the catch and, and gaining separation down the field, and then after the catch with his explosivity, like he has the ability to be an absolute megastar if he can just you know, have a little bit more attention to detail and just catch with a little bit more consistency and regularity. Those are things that can come along with time. There could be some MVS to his game for the entirety of his career. There could be those plays where you have heartbreaking drops that are just, you know, gut-wrenching, gut-punch plays that really set you back. But there's also going to be those plays that it's just like, holy crap. I mean, they they quite clearly do not win this game without Christian Watson. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. Uh, what he was able to do, you know, on the, the deep touchdown, what he's able to do on the crossing route to get behind the defender, um, and then just come up with the, the the game tying touchdown at the end too. It's just big play after big play after big play for an offense that is in sore need of explosive plays and hasn't been able to generate them all season long. He is the player that can give you that. And there is a, you know, there has to be an understanding that for at least the time being, and maybe going forward, this is probably what Christian Watson's going to be for a little bit. And hopefully he can start to eliminate some of the mistakes um, and really start capitalizing on some of the opportunities because he's such a special player. But sometimes you take a drop. Like, who do you care? for? A, like, if I told you that Christian Watson was going to have two drops every game, but he was going to counter it with three explosive plays, you don't care about the drops at all. Like, you, you will take that trade off every day of the week. It would be like, 
saying like, well, Aaron Judge hit three home runs, but he struck, you know, struck out two times. Well, we can't have that. He struck out two times. Well, no, he hit three home runs. Who cares if he had two strikeouts, you know? So um, really fun game for him. You know, did a really good job run blocking as well, really coming along as a receiver. So is Christian Watson a complete wide receiver yet? No, he's not. But this is the type of playmaker that he has the ability to be. And even when he's not a complete wide receiver, he can still make a massive impact on the game for the Packers. And this was a huge step in the right direction for him. The other day I talked about, you know, some of the glimmers of hope that we're hoping to see, you know, from this team for the remainder of the season. Christian Watson today was a huge glimmer of hope of what could be moving forward. As, I, as I've said before, right now, a wide receiver trio of Dobbs and Watson and Toure, probably not that great, right? Like it, some flashes, some good things here and there. And, and you don't hate that. There, there's a lot of upside there. But I really do believe in a couple years that that trio, Toure, Watson, and Dobbs could be a really, really good wide receiver core in this league. And again, we've seen the flashes from all three players. And hopefully we can kind of continue to see them moving forward. Again, the other player, Rudy Ford, Man, this guy has done nothing but make plays every single time he's been on the field on defense. A huge assist and thank you to the Jacksonville Jaguars for uh, allowing him to be able to be a member of the Green Bay Packers and only seeing him as a special teams player. He came in as really what was supposed to be only a special teams player. He has had an instant impact on this defense. This defense just needs a player who flies around to the football and makes plays. And Rudy Ford has been that every single time he's been on the field. I love how fast he plays. For a head coach, Matt LaFleur, who says, listen, there's going to be mistakes. It's an imperfect game. I don't care if you make a mistake as long as you're making it 100 miles per hour and playing the game hard in the right way. Like there's Rudy Ford. As we saw a mistake on the tackle early in the game, he made one. He's made very few mistakes on defense the entirety of the season, anytime he's been in. But the, some of the other plays, the tackles in the backfield, the two interceptions in this game, he is flying around and being an intimidator and making plays being a ball hawk. He's doing everything. And they they did a really great job of finding ways to get him on the field. He paid off those opportunities and those opportunities should be even more for Rudy Ford going forward. He has been fantastic. He was pro football focuses, highest rated for the, uh, defender for the Packers going into the game. He was my third graded defender behind only Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary going into the game. I have a feeling those numbers are going to only rise after this week and the two big picks from him. So Phenomenal, phenomenal game from Rudy Ford and fantastic find from Brian Gudikins in the front office and great, great job by this defensive staff. And maybe again, it took a little bit longer than it should have, but fantastic job of getting him on the field and giving him an opportunity to make those plays because, um, you know, they could have just kept him in a special teams role and kept him off of defense, but his presence was massive. And I think the, I think there's a lot of upside for Rudy Ford in this defense moving forward. Two other players we have to mention that had huge performances in this game. Aaron Jones, 24 carries, 138 yards and a touchdown, two receptions for 18 yards, a huge focal point of this offense. A.J. Dillon had a really nice game as well. But man, the things that Aaron Jones can do with the ball in his hands, that cutback to the cup around one on the touchdown where he did the Marshawn Lynch celebration, and then the other where he cut all the way across the field on a little spin move. I know he had the fumble on the play, which is you know not advantageous. That would have been a just a crushing fumble had they lost it on that play but he did a nice job recovering it on his own. Got a little bit lucky there. Uh, but man, that run too is just insanely special. Aaron Jones every single week just continues to do things that wow and amaze and just a truly special player to watch. And all of those big plays 
are worth mentioning, but I love just the little extra yard he gains at the end of runs by just like diving forward like a missile and just like just battling and grinding for every single yard he can get. Man, just make the entire team out of Aaron Jones and his mentality. He is so fun to watch, and I, I just love everything that he gives this football team. Gives it his all every single week, and a 24-138 touch, you know, in a touchdown performance um, doesn't even seem, um, you know, as good as that line is. It doesn't seem good enough for how important he was in this game and what he was able to give the Packers in this game. And then a ton of credit to Aaron Rodgers. Really, really tough week against the Lions. Bounced back in a phenomenal way against the Cowboys. 14 of 20, 224 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, he was you know, almost flawless. Now, you did have the fumble. There are a couple of plays he had receivers open and didn't recognize it. I'm sure some of those things are going to pop up on the All-22. Uh, but there were a lot of plays. I mean, some of those, the, the passes he threw could not have been handed off any better. That back shoulder to Sammy Watkins, uh, so the the throws to Christian Watson deep, like he was just uh, like he was on one. He was throwing absolute dimes all over the field. Uh, even the play where Christian Watson didn't get his head turned around in time and didn't locate the ball, that was another one that was an absolutely gorgeous, perfect pass that probably should have been paid off with potentially Christian Watson's fourth touchdown of the game. So uh, I thought Rodgers was phenomenal in this game. Really great bounce back week. Hopefully this is the Rodgers that we see for the remainder of the season. We still we still see exactly what he's capable of and can do in any given week. And hopefully this is the first of a epic stretch of Aaron Rodgers' performances like he is able to pull out at any given moment. And hopefully we see a really impressive MVP-esque run from number 12 through the remainder of the season. This was a heck of a way to start things off. Overall, I love this formula for the Packers. 37 rushes for Jones and Dillon, only 20 pass attempts for Rodgers. And guess what? A lot of eight-man boxes by the Cowboys. And guess what? It didn't matter because the Packers stuck with the run. They had a game plan for it. They were able to get to the edges. They were able to run inside. Jones and Dillon both ran incredibly hard, and it was a very, very um, lucrative game plan for the Packers and how they were able to pay that off. So love that as well. We do have to talk about the big downside or the big negative in this game, and that's Amari Rogers. If you're going to the grocery store this weekend, getting ready all the supplies you need to watch the upcoming Packer game, you've already got your brats, your beer, you walk through you know, the different sections, you get to the water, and you might notice some strange tall boys of beer sitting in the bottled water section at your local store. You're wondering, what, what, is, this doing, what is this doing here with the water? Well, that's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is it called Liquid Death? What a, what a name for water, right? Well, it's because it is going to brutally murder not just your thirst, but it's also out to bring death to plastic bottles because their recyclable Tallboy cans help end the plastic bottle life cycle. And not only that, but they donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. And not only that, there's something about having that freezing cold can that's sitting in your hand that looks like a can of beer, but it's actually a super refreshing can of water. It's got three grams of agave nectar for an incredibly different flavor, different from any other water you have. That's what makes Liquid Death such a fun product to have stocked up at all times alongside all the other beverages you're going to have for game day. So go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's. 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator to at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I don't know what else there is to say. And I know that he finally got benched and Keyshawn Nixon is now the punt returner. Nixon had already taken over the kick returner duties. It is unfathomable in any way that you look at it that the Packers could have continued to put Amari Rodgers back there as punt returner still going into this game. I know that they kept saying, listen, what he does in practice is good. Who the hell cares? In games, he gives you nothing. And I, I, I mentioned this before, and I mentioned it on Twitter as well. It, it would be one thing if this was a Devin Hester-esque returner, and he had the ability to just take it to the house at any given moment and give you one of those big explosive plays that you're sorely lacking. And maybe in those situations, yeah, you live with a muff or a fumble here and there because he's so dangerous with the ball in his hands. I could maybe understand that. The reward is high, the risk is high, and you live with some of that volatility, sort of with Christian Watson on offense, right? In, in some extent, sometimes you're going to have a drop, sometimes you're going to have an explosive play. Um, but there's no reward with Amari Rodgers. Like on that play where he fumbled, that was set up to be a pretty darn good return and he did nothing with it. His good plays are an eight-yard punt return. He's not explosive at all. He doesn't break tackles. He doesn't juke people. He goes east and west far too often instead of north and south. His best plays is basically just catching the ball and not screwing something up. Though That's your reward. Your risk is four fumbles on the season now. Like the, the, the Amari Rodgers experience is sort of this Packers 2022 team in a nutshell. The front office fails to get this team a legitimate returner. They can somehow have two kickers active on game day, but not a single real true returner. How does that work? You have 69 roster spots and you can't find one that could be a competent returner. How How is that possible? That That's on the front office. Number two, the coaching staff. You know what? If you if Amari Rogers screws something up once and you want to give him another chance, uh, understandable. If he screws up twice and you want to give him a chance, okay. He screws up three times, four times. Like 
what are you what are you waiting for? And that's on Basaccia for continuing to put him back there. But that's also on Matt LaFleur. At one point, even if Basaccia says, no, listen, I really trust Amari, at some point, you as the head coach, everything ends on your table. Every you have the you have veto power. You have the ability to nix anything or go in any different direction at any given time. You have seen everything you need to see for a year and a half from Amari Rogers as a returner. There's nothing there. There's no juice to squeeze that you're going to get anything out of. There's nothing. There's no reward. And everything is risk. And the risk is basically what would have cost you this game completely inexplicably. And I don't even, I don't know what you can possibly be thinking. He's been awful. So why do you expect him to be anything other than awful? So it's on the coaches and then it's on the player. Like, dude, you got chance after chance after chance after chance. Do you know how many guys in this league don't get a chance in the first place? Do you know how many guys never get a second chance? Very few get a third. You have a third and a fourth and a fifth chance at this thing. Dude, just catch the ball and return it. And I know, like, easy for me to say. I'm behind a microphone in front of a Bart Star print in my basement. I get it. I'm, it's not easy. I understand that. But, man, you got so many chances to just return a punt. And nobody was asking you to do anything crazy. All you had to do was make sure you caught the ball and get a handful of yards every now and then. Nobody was expecting the next coming of Desmond Howard or Alan Rossum or Roel Preston. Just be competent. And you had time after time after time. So it's on the player. And that's been the 22 Packers in a nutshell. Not in this game. They ultimately came back and win. And we want to talk about the positives in this game more than the negatives. But poor front office not getting this team a returner. Poor coaching, not recognizing that the player doesn't give you any upside and is going to cost you more than it's going to help you and not going in a different direction. That's on coaching and it's on the player. So front office, coaching player, none of them come through in that situation. Everyone looks terrible and it very well could have cost the Packers another loss in this game and probably should have. Just unfathomable to think that they could have put him back there still in those situations. And oh, by the way, he almost muffed one earlier in the game and just barely was able to get get it back and not have a massive turnover on that play. And the special teams overall, missed field goal by Crosby to open the game, big uh, return by the Cowboys to open the game, holding penalty on the return team, an almost muffed by Amari, a fumble by Amari. Like you're, you're paying Rich Passaccia way too much money and you're bringing in guys like Levitt and Nixon and Rudy Ford and uh, Ballantine in this game and like guys who are special team specialists and you can't do the competent stuff still. It is completely unacceptable that the special teams is still as bad as it is um, at this point. It's just completely unacceptable. And for all the positives in this game um, and coming out with a victory, still a massive, massive negative is on the special teams and specifically having Amari Rogers back there, basically what probably should have cost the Packers this game. Three disappointments for me in this game. The one is Amari Rogers and the special teams, which we just talked about, so we don't need to go over that in any greater detail. Number two is that this is the formula for the Packers, you know, running the ball 37 times, passing the ball 20, being a complimentary football team, and letting your, you know, offense, you know, be a ground and pound game, give Jones and Dylan the rock a ton of times and let Rogers be an efficient passer. And then let your defense, you know, get you hopefully in some advantageous situations, get some turnovers. This is the this is the formula we all thought we were going to see from week one going into the season. 
the fact that we saw it work on offense in this game to the level that it did, and clearly they hit on some of their explosives. That's going to change things quite a bit. If you actually hit on those explosives, that helps a lot. But the fact that it took them 10 games to get to this point to really see this formula come to fruition and understand that this is the formula that they need to have work uh, is disappointing, especially when you see it on offense work as well as it did in this game. And again, maybe if Christian Watson's not hurt for the majority of the year uh, or you know, in some of the games that he missed, you know, maybe some of this changes, right? Or maybe he catches that pass against the Vikings and so on and so forth. But um, this is the right formula. And hopefully this is something that they can use to be successful moving forward. But the fact that it took until week 10, definitely a little bit disappointing. And then the other disappointment is now that they're, they did have this formula and it does seem to be something that they can lean on moving forward, run the ball, ground and pound, efficient passing offense, hit some explosives down the field. Just so much more disappointing to see no Rashawn Gary because he has the ability to be the, the really great player on defense that elevates this defense. We saw how much this team missed Gary on defense. They still came up with some plays, still came out with the win, but I don't think the Cowboys get to 28 points in this game if Rashawn Gary's playing. So just such a bummer that he's not out there to help this team. So a couple last uh, thoughts before I get out of here, because I feel like my throat is going to give out on me at any given moment here. Uh, Packers did put Darnell Savage in the slot and finally made that move. So base defense was still Razul and Jair on the outside with Amos and Savage at safety. That's one where I might like to see Rudy Ford be moved to base safety instead of Savage, but at this point, it's still Savage and Amos. In nickel, uh, they went with uh, Rudy Ford and Amos at safety with Savage in the slot and Douglas and Jair on the outside. And then in dime, you had Keyshawn Nixon come in in the slot. Adrian Amos play that hybrid linebacker safety role uh, up towards the line of scrimmage. Douglas and Jair out on the boundaries and then uh, Savage and uh, Rudy Ford at safety in the dime. So a lot of moving parts, but I liked what they did. They got Rudy Ford on the field a lot more, got Savage in the slot. Some miscues from Savage still, not a perfect game. And I think there's going to be some, I don't think it's a perfect fit still for Savage, but I will say, and it's going to take some time to sort of sort it out and, and see if this is something that can continue to work. But I will say that I thought Savage played with a lot more confidence from the slot. They blitzed him uh, from that nickel position, for, from the slot position a lot. Um, and that he just seemed to play with a lot more confidence. So I like the move. I'm intrigued by it. I want to see what he can continue to do with more snaps there moving forward. Uh, but like some of the changes defensively for the Packers. Um, really quick to Isaiah McDuffie, 13 tackles. Quay Walker, 8 tackles in this game. I am sure... Um, with the way that the, the Cowboys were able to run the ball, there were probably going to be some negative plays that show up on tape for McDuffie and, and Walker in this game. Uh, but there were some really big tackles too. And I really like McDuffie as an inside linebacker, especially on some early down stuff. He does a really good job getting off of blocks and making plays. Um, he's been a fun player to watch for Green Bay in, in um, Campbell's absence. So um, yeah, I thought both those guys had nice games. Like I said, I'm sure there's some negatives on the tape too, uh, but I thought they had positive days overall. And I'm excited to watch them on the All-22 when it comes out. Uh, last but not least, Packers open as two and a half point favorites against the Titans Thursday night football at Lambeau Field. Have the ability to win two games in basically four days um, or five days, I guess. And after, you know, five weeks of losing in a row, uh, the ability to pick up two wins in five days would be pretty incredible. So should be a fun matchup. I'm really excited for it and just really, really excited that uh, the Packers were able to pick up the victory that we're able to talk about, a Packers victory on this Victory Monday. Again, something so desperately needed, I think, for fans, coaches, uh, front office players, etc. Just really great to get back in that win column. 
Thanks so much for joining me today. Hopefully this cold will be gone sooner rather than later and I'll be back to talk to you like normal uh, sooner rather than later. But I always appreciate you joining me. I will be right back here tomorrow no matter what. But until next time and as always, Go Pack Go.